You know, Easter is always one of those times that we reflect. Uh, we reflect on what God has done in our life as we think about that glorious morning that we read about here in Matthew 28. In verse 5, it says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. I love that line. Okay, I did my, I did my job. You know, kind of like when a, a young kid, his parents say, I want you to do this. Go across the street and do this. And they go, okay, there. I just did it. Now I'm off the hook. I did my job. You know, the angel was responsible to, to inform people. Now, the fact of the matter is they shouldn't have needed explanation. And the angel made a point of reminding of, of that. You know, I know you're looking for Jesus, but he's not here. He rose from the dead. Just as he said. You know, you see that gentle nudge. It's kind of like the spousal elbow uh, during a sermon that you want to make sure they're listening to. You know, it's that reminder. Oh, yes, you, you should know. Jesus told you what was going to happen. This is not a new teaching. Easter Sunday was not a surprise. It shouldn't have been a surprise. And yet those who knew him, those who had listened to his words were as shocked as anybody said, go into Galilee, and there you will see him. You know, the angel said, it's, it's not just good enough to take my word. Go into Galilee so you can know for yourself, so you can see eye to eye, because it is the supreme difference maker for those who follow Jesus Christ. We're going to spend the rest of our time over in 1 Corinthians 15. It's a church that Paul started... And you get to the end of his uh, book there in chapter 15. And he says, starting in verse 1, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you've received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. Now, Paul says, at the end of his letter, he goes, I want to remind you of the gospel. You know, it's almost staggering to believe that they would need to be reminded of the gospel. I mean, this was a church that the apostle Paul planted, that he taught, that he knew their friends, and he said, I need to remind you. Yeah, what about you and I? 
We're 2,000 years later from the event. We need to be reminded as well. Because too often we think of the event, but we need to be reminded of what the implications of the event of Easter were all about. You know, Paul told them, he said, this is the gospel that you take your stand. It is what gives you the ammunition and the strength and the power to live the Christian life. No gospel, no power. And he says, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now, there's a large portion of a Christian world that believe in vain because they have the intellectual understanding of the gospel, but they don't live with the full assurance of what the implications are. You see, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead means our life needs and should be lived differently. It's not just something we read about and go, oh, wow, isn't that great? Yeah, that's nice to know, and we're going to celebrate that on Easter. No, it says it changes the way we live our life. Paul said, what was the gospel? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And then that he appeared to all these people. And he said, you know what? Most of these people are still alive. You know, sometimes for you and I, we can be more skeptical of the, of the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Because how can you really know for sure? That's why Paul told the Corinthians, you've got hundreds of eyewitnesses and they're still alive. You can talk to them. You can go and ask them, did you really see the risen Jesus? All the apostles got to see. As well as Paul, one abnormally born. The gospel is what we take our stand upon as a Christian. And Paul is reminding them, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. You know, the word of God that we have in front of us is very clear. All the way from the days of Moses in the Old Testament, the Psalms of David, that Jesus was going to come, that he would be the son of God, that he would be the Messiah. Isaiah says about 800 years before he was crucified that his sacrifice would take away the sin of the world. The scriptures would talk about Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, that he would be born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, that he would be raised to life and sit at God's right hand. Those are the scriptures that we hold in our hands. What Jesus lived out on the cross and being raised from the dead was not some last-minute fix. God made it clear to his people every step of the way. They were looking forward to it. We get to look back and recognize what it was all about. You say, can I really know for sure? Oh, yeah, we have all the proof that we need. That's why Paul said, this was of first importance. You know, college students, you're starting to approach finals. 
You know that last review session? And you hope you go in there and they're going to tell you what's on the test? You know, you like to know, okay, I attended, hopefully, class the whole semester. But then in that final review session, the professor's going to go, okay, make sure you know this. And you're like, oh, good, that's going to be on the final. I've got to make sure I know how to do that. You know, that there's all kinds of other stuff that you were told, but you don't have to focus as much on that because they're telling you, here's what you need to know. That's what Paul's saying. He goes, of all the things that we can learn, of all the things that we can have deep conviction on, let, let me tell you, what's at the top of the list? What's of first importance? That Jesus died for your sins. That he was buried and that he was resurrected. And the scriptures promised you and me that it would happen. Paul says that's of first importance. You go, okay, I understand it's important, but what, what is the big deal about it? Go a little later in the chapter down to verse 19. See, apparently in, in Corinth there's people teaching that there wasn't going to be a resurrection from the dead and that Jesus never resurrected from the dead. And so there's, you know, you can imagine the turmoil that people would be in hearing that. And so in verse 19, Paul says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. You know, he's saying that if it's not true that Jesus rose from the dead, then, then we are the most pitiable people on the planet. Now, you've got to let that sink in. That means on the food chain of life, we are, we are bottom feeders. Paul says, we're the worst. If there's no resurrection, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the life that we've chosen is the worst, most pitiable path we could ever pick. You know, when you're young, and we've got a number of young people in here, sometimes we can't relate to this concept because we look at our life and we think, man, my life's awesome. I've got so much to look forward to. I've got so much hope, so many visions, so many dreams. I mean, it's nice that Jesus resurrected from the dead, but if we're honest in our heart of hearts, we think, my life's pretty awesome without it. I mean, I don't really need to live that life. I don't really need to be that committed because my life is amazing. So you know what? As you age, we start experiencing things that take away our dreams, take away our hope, send discouragement our way, our failures, the sins that we commit, the damage that we do in relationships. And we start to feel needs. We start to wonder if we really can change. We start to wonder if there really is any hope left. You know, that what we started with when we were young, is there any of that left in my life? You know, sometimes we just get to a, a point and we wonder, like, how much longer do I have to exist? 
I don't have much to look forward to. I go to bed at night discouraged. I'm empty and I'm hopeless. But then comes along a risen Jesus Christ. And maybe for the first time in decades, his word says, no, you have hope. You can change the things in your life that you hate most about yourself. Jesus says, oh, I can heal that. Now, some of the emotional wounds that we have grown up with, Jesus says, oh, I can heal that. Your discouragement, oh, I can take that away. You say, oh, my marriage, my family, it's not where I want to be. Jesus says, I can do something about that too. He says, I can help you be transformed into a totally different person. You're like, wait, transformation? You know, go, go look on the New York Times bestseller list. See how many of them are not self-help books or mo books on motivation, books on effective living. Why? Because as we age, we hit those roadblocks and we're discouraged and we're hopeless and we're looking for a reason to have hope. You see, Jesus is the one thing that can give us the hope that we want. I think about what he says a little later in, in chapter 15. Paul says in verse 32, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus merely for human reasons, what have I gained? Like he got thrown to the wild beasts. Apparently, Paul was fighting animals because of his faith. And he's saying, if I was just in there with a bunch of wild dogs, we don't know what animals they were. But Paul said, if I did all that, but the dead are not raised, what, what waste? What did I gain? He said, if I took a stand because of my faith and it means something, then I've gained a lot. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, what was the big deal? He said, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. You know, a lot of us are familiar with that verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. We don't often read the whole context and go, what was the bad company that corrupts? I'm saying, those that teach or live as if there's no resurrection from the dead. Those that don't acknowledge the power of a risen Jesus Christ. You say, wait, wait a second. These were people in the Corinthian church that were struggling with this. We can be functional atheists. We can believe intellectually who Jesus is and deny the power of the resurrection. Jesus says, bad company corrupts good character. 
Paul said, if the dead aren't raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. I'd venture to guess most of us are going to you know, eat and drink, have a good time the rest of the day. But what a depressing line. If I said, hey, go celebrate Easter because tomorrow we're all going to die. Be like, well, I, I hope it's a good dinner. But that's kind of a bummer. You know, Paul says the resurrection is what takes all that away. So we can celebrate life. We can look ahead and go, man, my life is awesome. I have so much to look forward to. I have so much hope, so much confidence, so much faith. The resurrection will give us that every day. That's why Paul said it's of first importance. I say, what, what do we do with this? Make sure it's first importance in our life. Not just the intellectual aspect of it, but the life implications. You see, if we believe Jesus rose from the dead, what can't we accomplish? Where do we stop? What are the barriers? What can discourage us? If Jesus rose from the dead, we can break through anything. Because we have hope. Jesus died to give us hope. Jesus died so we could change. Jesus died to give each one of us the encouragement we need to overcome. You see, just like the women that went to visit the tomb, they were bummed out. Because they were, they were looking for a crucified Jesus. But the angel said, no, he's not here. He's risen. A crucified Jesus couldn't help us change. Easter is the difference maker in your life and in my life. What will you do with it? Don't waste the resurrection. Put it into practice. Use it every day. Use it all day. For the rest of your life, you start feeling discouraged, get focused back on first importance. You know, I know in my life that if I get self-focused, I get discouraged and negative every time. You get your mind and your heart focused back on the resurrection, hope returns. But each one of us has a decision to make of what we're going to do with the resurrection. God has made it clear in his words. He provided hundreds of eyewitnesses. So we never have to doubt, is it really true? No, we can know for sure. So it gives us the confidence to live a different life. I pray today on this Easter Sunday that it will make a difference, not just today, but every day. And no matter where you're at, what you're going through, that you can draw encouragement from a risen Jesus. He's not in the grave. He told the disciples he wouldn't be there, and yet they were surprised. Let us be reminded of his resurrection. Let us draw encouragement from his word. And as we take the Lord's Supper at this time. Let us meditate on what the cross means to us. Let us meditate on what him being buried means to us and being raised from the dead means 
for where we go from here. Let's bow together as we pray at this time. Father, we thank you so much for what we celebrate as Easter Sunday. We know that that morning changed everything for us. It gives us the hope and the power and the encouragement to change, to overcome, to live our life with power. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we don't have hope. As Paul said, we're to be pitied beyond all men. I really pray that each one of us will have a deep, deep conviction about the true gospel. And that as we take the bread, as we take the fruit of the vine, that we'll be drawn back to that moment that we will remember and we will look forward and draw encouragement for what it means to us now in our life. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.